you got to stop putting Band-Aid over Band-Aid. We can't keep continuing on that. We got to make sure that we renovate correctly, that it's going to be reliable, that the building is going to be resilient, healthy, and safe. Energy and sustainability. Now, we know it's important. We see and read the headlines locally, nationally, and internationally. There's no doubt that humanity's impact on the planet has been great and that things have to change. I mean, pretty quickly to secure the best possible future for coming generations. So let's focus on our corner of the world. Because there are some individuals at CPS who have this issue top of mind. And as for the rest of us, well, that's where Kiriako and I hope that after this episode, you all will find some new thoughts and practices to positively impact this work as well. Now, before we get started, bookmark this URL in your brain, cps.edu forward slash energy. That's where you can go and follow up on all we're talking about. All right, let's get to it. Well, hello there, Sandrine. Would you please introduce yourself to our listening audience? Hello there. Uh, My name is Sandrine Schultz. I am the Director of Energy and Sustainability for Chicago Public Schools. Can you please give our listeners a quick background on the mission of your role and kind of where you operate within the greater CPS organization? Uh, Sure thing, Noelle. Uh, So I operate from the central office within the facilities department. And as the director of energy and sustainability, my mission is to develop a climate action plan implement strategies to increase efficiencies and address environmental justice to ensure that all students and staff attend healthy and safe schools, but also leverage the power of the K-12 education sector to prepare students to advance in a more sustainable, resilient, reliable, and equitable environment. Okay. And so how long have you been in this position? So I know that in May, it will be 36 months. So it's about 31 months that I have been here at Chicago Public Schools. What have you been able to accomplish to date that speaks to the mission of your role? And that is actually uh, a question that I ask myself every day because I want to make sure that uh, the program benefits Chicago Public Schools and especially the students. So what I've been able to do so far is, and I'll be providing you uh, high-level points of projects and initiatives that have been implemented. But the main thing is that for the Energy and Sustainability Program, I was able to define specific goals that Chicago Public Schools will be meeting to include uh, reducing electricity consumption by 30% by 2025, reducing our natural gas consumption by 20% by 2025, We're transitioning to 100% electricity renewable energy, also by 2025, reducing greenhouse gas emissions, achieve carbon neutrality by 2050, 
and achieve waste diversion rate of 80% by 2030. So these are really high level goals that we're actually aligning also with the city of Chicago's energy and sustainability or climate action plan. Since FY19, what we have been also able to do is lower our overall energy spend by more than $4 million. And I anticipate to achieve more savings in FY22, which means that every dollar we're saving on our utility bill, we can recoup it in more uh, educational dollars or school operation maintenance dollars. I've also launched the 2021 CPS Go Solar Project that is designed with industry partners to support CPS Renewable Energy Goal, but also by engaging with students to have them learn about renewable energy, alternative technologies, and start thinking about their career in the clean energy world. I'm currently in process of developing a robust waste management, recycling, and composting plan. I just announced the 10 winners of our school year 21-22 composting program, having now a total of 24 schools across the district to be engaged in composting. The goal is to provide the same program to schools when feasible and get about 80% of our schools to start composting by 2025. So that was very exciting. And the award was made because of a grant and the support of external stakeholders, which is very exciting. The other thing that I was, we've been able to do uh, is execute about a thousand energy efficiency projects since FY19. And these projects rely on using improved technology maintenance and design strategies to achieve energy savings. So we were able to reduce 60 million of car carbon dioxide, which is equivalent of, with all the saving, to equal to something a little bit more what people can relate to, of planting 24,000 trees or powering for one year 6,500 homes. And within all these energy efficiency projects that were uh, executed with the assistance of our partnership with the energy efficiency program at Comet and People's Gas, we were able to save in cost avoidance and materials about $6.1 million. The projects, to be, you know, to my surprise, were, were mostly low-hanging fruit, as I refer them to. So they were lighting retrofits, mechanical system improvement, installation of building automation system. Uh, we added insulations, especially those schools that are still on steam. They've got a lot of pipes. So insula insulating the pipes saves money. Boiler tune-ups for those who have boilers. And we did also a lot of uh, assessment of our schools, finding those savings and getting those incentives from our utility partners. And if I may add, those energy efficiency programs and projects at our schools also benefits students' health. Having a student come in a classroom and it's not well lit, we want to make sure that the classrooms are well lit so all the lighting retrofits were with the LEDs. We want to make sure that they, the school students have access to clean water, clean drinking water as well, and that we continue to improve our indoor air quality, as you know especially within the pandemic that we have been, you know, living through. What we also have instilled is a uh, extensive, what would I call a virtual commissioning program. 
And that program is a process which energy managers that are off-site are monitoring building energy use and trends. And then we make recommendations to your building engineer and uh, let them know on how to improve operational efficiency. This helps the engineer to do their job, and this helps us to uh, save energy and therefore cut the cost of utilities at the schools. So those are kind of the big nuggets, if I may say, that we were able to achieve since FY19. And uh, hopefully I can continue this throughout the district for many years ahead. That was amazing. (laughs) That's a lot of stuff. And that's great. There's some of the things that popped into my head about the goals of 2025. You know, I, I know a lot of the schools and CPS, the buildings are old they're working, but maybe they're not working efficiently. And you kind of touched upon it that addressing the boilers, tune-ups here, tune-ups there, and fixing maybe windows. So how much are you guys focused on updating the buildings of CPS? Has there ever been the thought of maybe knocking it down and just rebuilding a brand new one? Because I know some some schools out in the suburbs have actually chosen to go that route. And that is a very good question. I actually had the same conversation. I work very closely with the capital team. The capital team is responsible to do major renovations and also build new buildings, new schools, you know, with external partners and so on. And we do have a few schools that are going to come online that uh, in September 2022 that are old buildings, and, and you're absolutely right. What do you do? We want to keep the architecture. We are proud of those old features, those old buildings, you know, but ultimately the shell would, could be good, but the interior, the pipes, the windows, the roofs, the walls, the insulation, everything needs to be replaced. So at times um, we do choose to, to tear it down and rebuild at the site. But most of the time, that may be more expensive than having to fix this building, even though the one thing that I believe is always a bit forgotten when we renovate you know, those major renovations is the operation and maintenance of the building. So once you know the building switches hands to the facilities department, we got to think about the operation and maintenance. And that could cause money if it is not maintained correctly. And those are kind of the efficiently, especially though, those are kind of the, and, and, and I may talk about this a little bit later, but that's the culture I'm trying to instill at CPS is that you got to stop putting bandaid over bandaid. We can't keep continuing on that. We got to make sure that we renovate correctly, that it's going to be reliable, that the building's going to be resilient, healthy and safe. That is really an analysis that we have to do collaboratively at CPS to understand the cost of renovating or just tearing down completely and rebuilding a building. Sometimes when putting a brand new building, the first thing that comes off the plate are are energy conservation measures because they're a bit more costly. But people don't see that if you put efficient equipment in the long run, it's going to pay back. There's going to be an excellent ROI. It's going to be a little slower, but it's going to have a good ROI. And that is, again, my role is educating people that building efficiently, greener, more reliable, more res- with more resilience 
is is going to help us down down the road. Well, you got me really in my head with the things that you're saying. I happen to work at a wonderful school that studies and is in action in around environmental justice. Now, not me personally per se, but I have really wonderful colleagues that take environmental justice very seriously and over the course of the campuses existence for the last 16 years. Currently, we have a garden. One of my colleagues is certainly into composting. Um, At one point in time, we had a after-school club led by a great friend of mine. It was called Sojo Serves, and they recycled. And so I can't say, I wish I could say that these were long-sustaining and we stick them out and, and, you know, the fruits of our labor is blah, blah, blah. I can't necessarily say that, but what I'm curious about, you know, is other schools, like at my school, it's my peers, my peers had this passion and they instilled that passion into other young people who had the same passion. But how do you get teachers and school leaders or any stakeholder really to begin thinking about energy and sustainability? Very, very good question. And I think, um, that is one uh, that's the hardest part is, um, well, I'm, I'm working toward making energy and sustainability to be part of the CPS culture from occupant management through energy conservation programs, incorporating guidelines in our design plans and encouraging our teams when, again, as I explained earlier, with major renovation on new construction, to work with our partners, our subject matter experts in energy and sustainability so that our designs, we incorporate energy conservation measures, green technology, you know, things, things that, that are going to give us good, green, healthy schools. But I'm also going to have a CPS energy and sustainability policy due out in 2022. And that policy is designed to save resources while supporting the educational mission of the district. So it's also very important that everyone share accountability for following the policy. And it's not easy. Don't get me wrong. It's not easy. I'm hoping that, um, you know, the principals and some principals are very engaged, some teachers, um, students, but also the building managers, the building engineers, the facility managers that are working within the facilities department, you know, have that in mind, have that energy and sustainability in mind. They understand the benefit of it. Now, climate change crisis, you know, climate crisis is on everyone's mind. Some studies have said that uh, climate change disasters will be three times more frequent, frequent for today's children than their grandparents. And when I read that statement from that science paper, I was I was flabbergasted, meaning that if energy and sustainability or climate change or any buzzword you want to use is not on people's mind, then there's a problem. But we know it's the right thing to do, no matter how big or small act of saving energy, recycling or using less fossil fuels is, it's a step in the right direction. If you carry your water bottle at school and you refill it and not have plastic bottles, you're doing your part of energy and sustainability. If you're putting that piece of paper in the blue bins, you're doing 
some part and you're showing the students that you're putting the recyclable in the blue bins, turning off electronic equipments in schools, you know, and as leaders, I think we all have that obligation to not only listen to our students who, believe me or not, have been really vocal and engaged expressing their concerns about this crisis. And we need to show them and educate them on the science, the technology, and strategies to meet our goals and support their own effort to mitigate climate change. I'm hoping that, you know, what teachers are doing when shared can expand throughout the district because the Mather, the Doolittle, the Pershing, and you're right, at your schools as well, we get Waters' garden, you know, the, the winners of, of the zero waste and so on. Hopefully that is going to catch on and more and more teachers will, will become involved. Yeah, if everyone does a little bit here, a little bit there, maybe not in that very moment, but over the course of a week, month, year, multiple years, that really does make a big difference. Like you said with the uh, water bottle situation, you know, instead of having your Nalgene or your Yeti or whatever it may be, that's a very good point. Right. I mean, the one thing that I've been engaged as well, you know, because due to COVID, water bottle fillers are very expensive, but we still wanted our water fountains to be operable for our students to have water. So that's when I proposed that we convert the water fountains at some of our schools if needed uh, with a gooseneck. Come to find out, a teacher told me saying, thank you for doing that because you're encouraging us to carry our water bottles and not plastic bottles, you know, so that was great. And we're a big district. And that's why I'm, I'm hoping this message goes through every school and they know that, you know, they can come to us or come to me and just, okay, I need some help here. Hence the reason I was so happy to announce those 10 schools about the composting and they will be you know, supported and getting the hauling services and they will be getting the equipment and guidance on education and so on. But I want that at 24 schools, it's 24 schools, but I want to expand that across the district. I can really feel and hear all the ambition that you have. And that's fantastic. The energy is really coming through. <laughs> Thank you. I wanted to go back to those accomplishments you were previously uh, listed out. How do you bucket or categorize the energy and sustainability work that needs to be done across CPS? Right. So I have multiple buckets. I have the utility management, uh, utility, which are our uh, natural gas and electricity. Uh, even though we don't pay for water, I still have a water conservation plan, which is very important. So again, utility is the foundation of an energy program. I have uh, the bucket of, as a, of a facility management, operation efficiencies. I have uh, the bucket of renewable projects, re renewable initiatives. Um, the other bucket is waste diversion, recycling, and composting. And I'm also working with the nutrition staff on food waste program. Um, the other bucket is transportation, greening our fleet. I want to make sure we have we have electric buses that we have our electric vehicle uh, that the engineers uh, you know drive in from school to school, and also health and wellness and the overall is education. All these buckets, I am hoping to extract something educational for students to learn. You take so many of those things for for granted, you know what I mean? So. Yes. 
Um, how does, and I'm always thinking about, you, you listed off lots of people in places right. that I don't necessarily get to see every day. So right. how does someone get in touch with you? Like how does a teacher or a club or a school leader work with you to assist in achieving these goals in these various initiatives? When I first got to CPS, I did not know how many people contacted me within that first week. Um, from teachers, from students, from external stakeholders, from people who used to work with CPS because my position has, had been vacant for five years. So hence the reason you said, Noel, that, you know, you, it appears that this program is not sustainable. It's not being sustained. And I agree with you. Energy and sustainability, you've got to stay on top of things and make sure that our leadership understand that it needs to be continuous. It can't be bits and pieces of it. It's got to be continuous. So um, my, my one priority was to not only have people come and contact me, but also learn how to reach out to the teachers to reach out to the principals. I think we're making great progress on having people to reach out. They can email me and call me. But because uh, when I first came here, I was the only one managing the program, it was not easy to reply immediately. So what I did is I brought in uh, more people from the external that are really passionate about us meeting our goals. So if a teacher contacts me and says, Sandrine, I want to have this composting or this recycling program in my school or in my classroom, I will send them to the person that is responsible for that, for helping us doing that. They'll have a team they can go to. They also have our new vendor, LRS, Lakeshore uh, Recycling System. I made sure that the new contract reinforced their support, no matter who was going to be the vendor and recycling and supporting the education of recycling and composting at our schools. I have the same thing for renewable. A lot of teachers are so excited that I want my kids to be involved in building audits and I want them to uh, to know how many solar panels it's going to take to power 100% of their facility and so on. I have a team that is standing by right there that is able to help. If I may add, we just had our landing page launched on cps.edu. And we're working on the microsites, meaning the landing page and more behind, more information with point of contacts. So cps.edu slash energy is the URL you can uh, link to and get more information about the energy and sustainability program. You are doing a ton of work and it, it makes sense because the what you're being asked to do to turn buildings um, to be more sustainable, to save energy, to help reverse the climate crisis that we have takes a lot of work, a lot of patience, a lot of ambition. Um, what are your hopes, thoughts, actions do you want our listeners to take away from what you've uh, shared with us today so that we can help in this process? Because it it's not just a one-man show. It's going to take all of us. No, I, and that's the key. It's going to take all of us. It's going to take a village to get this achieved. Everybody's going to need to be involved. Again, that's why I want to put the energy and sustainability as part of the CPS culture. I don't want it to be an afterthought. 
I wanted to be the first thing in front of any initiatives that we take. Either the principal goes in the school and they understand that the temperature may be a little chilly, but it will warm up. Right now, you know, we're just keeping it at a temperature where nobody is in there to save energy. But once the students are going to be there, it's going to be comfortable. I want the students to understand that recycling is important. Ask questions about climate change. What does it mean? What does it mean now? What does it mean in the future? What can they do to make a difference? What kind of information do they want us to share with them? That is also something I'm more than happy to do, to have them understand where we are currently at CPS, Chicago Public Schools, and what you know our, our future is going to look like if we maintain this roadmap to instill energy and sustainability. Thank you very much, Sandrine. I I know for one, I took a lot of tools away from this conversation. I really didn't know. I'm not surprised that CPS has this initiative, but I didn't realize the goals were so ambitious. I didn't realize how much work has already taken place and how big this is. And I'm very happy that it's going on. I'm very happy that you took on this role. And um, I know that me and my people over at Sen High School and family and friends, we have your back. Thank you very much. That means a lot. That means a lot. I will do my best to continue this effort because it's uh, it's truly truly rewarding. We got to take care of our students as well and prepare them for the future. This episode is brought to you by Miss King. I'm very thankful for Miss King because in second grade she was the best teacher and I was so appreciable for her because she was so helpful. This episode is brought to you by Mr. Bubakar at George Westinghouse College Prep. I appreciate Mr. A because although he may give us a lot of work, he knows we're capable of completing the task. And he's always making sure our mental health is stable and cares about us as people. Ms. Elijah is such a great teacher because to me, a great teacher is someone who's understanding and really helpful. She's always on us about graduation, about colleges, you know, and everything that's needed, even during this e-learning, because there's some emails, you know, you can't get to. And she's always on us about that. This episode is brought to you by Miss Simon. She not only helped me with my math skills, but also helped me get through a tough time. Miss Simon helped me get out of my shell and be more open and less shy. This episode is brought to you by Ms. Walker at De Diego Elementary School. She is always willing to help us learn, to take our time with our work, and will always help us get our grades better if we deserve it. Welcome back to the CPS Teach Chicago podcast. Now we've got a nice bonus to our episode topic today. Some audio from the December Chicago Board of Education meeting featuring a CPS student that went to the United Nations Climate Change Conference in Glasgow, Scotland. Check it out. Dr. Sweeney, please proceed with honoring excellence. Thank you, Mr. President. Good morning, everyone. We We will begin today's meeting by recognizing three members of our CPS community working to raise awareness around the critically important issue of climate change. Ali Khan, a senior at Mather High School, along with two CPS teachers, Peter Eislin of Mather and Ms. Jasmine Jones of Al Raby High School, 
represented Chicago Public Schools at the 26th United Nations Climate Summit last year. This conference was held in Scotland with the goal of advancing the global conversation around climate change and exploring what countries around the world are doing to mitigate this ongoing crisis. This team has also been instrumental in promoting our district's energy and sustainability efforts and is working to help ensure that all CPS students are well informed around climate change. I want to thank each of them for their commitment to protecting our environment and for engaging our students and faculty in this important work. And I would like to give them a moment to speak, starting with Ali. Um, thank you so much for the opportunity. So during my experience at COP26 in Scotland, uh, meeting various youth around the world, it was inspiring in this way. Um, meeting youth from uh, South American countries, seeing how they pushed for um, plastic bans in their governments, in their countries, which were, they were successful ultimately. But also talking to the delegates from impact countries and hearing about their sort of concerns and frustrations on the current crisis, how they're being impacted. If we do not meet our goals to, to, the, to the end of the century, water levels will rise, extreme cases will rise every single year, as opposed to uh, every 50 years for water, water levels. If we do not reach our goal to mitigate the crisis by 2050. Going over then, we just learned about how impact nations were not receiving the funds they need. They were promised by these uh, well-funded nations. So it's very important to inform our youth and our community in the U.S. as a whole to become more aware of issues that are surrounding the earth. And so in spirit of connecting what we've learned at COP26 to our local CPS community, we would like to strongly encourage the CPS board to fully support school policy and other means the new, the new CPS Go Solar Initiative, a project being led by the CPS's Director of Sustainability and Energy, Sandrine Schultz, in collaboration with nonprofit um, Seven Generations Ahead and multiple other organizations, and designed to maximize on-site solar installations on CPS buildings, drive pro procurement of renewable energy procurement, through new projects being built in Illinois to reach CPS's goal of 100% renewable, renewable electricity by 2025, and also to support education in CPS classrooms about climate change, uh, solar technology, and opportunities for jobs in the solar industry. And thank you so much. Mr. Eisland. Thank you um, for honoring us, inviting us, giving us a chance to share what we've done and are doing to help CPS and the CPS Goes Solar program. Uh, it's my 20th year as a teacher, 15 of which have been at Stephen Ting Mather High School. Um, but before I get to Glasgow and the COP26, I want to talk about how this whole opportunity came about. Our school is named after the founder of the National Park Service, and we at Mather want to be the exemplar of how to be a sustainable school. Uh, first, I can't say enough about the MICFA civics program that works with CPS. They have provided us at Mather with support for um, the last 10 years. So they help us empower students to get involved in the democratic process and civic action. And the years ago, the students at Mather chose to honor our namesake, Stephen King Mather, and fight for climate justice. Um, they, the students asked us difficult questions. They started by why didn't CPS have a comprehensive recycling plan or why don't we compost in the hundreds of our lunchrooms around the city and why do we waste so much uneaten food every day um how can Mather go solar and so every year we'd pick one of these projects and work on it so we fundraised we got blue bins for every classroom in our school because we didn't we didn't have them uh we fundraised and got three elko water bottle filling stations to replace the old drinking fountains 
and we made a school-wide push to have students bring their own reusable water bottles, and most kids have them now. We, for a time, were rounding up uneaten fruits and unopened milks that typically get just tossed. We were donating them to the local food bank. And the, each year, with all the success, we, we still kept thinking, is there a way to do solar? Um, but it had always been kind of a pipe dream. And recently, when Sandrine Schultz uh, took over the Office of Sustainability and then um, Gary Kunin of Seven Generations Ahead, they reached out to us and it seemed like this could be a reality. So in Glasgow, what I noticed was definitely a mix of youthful enthusiasm everywhere and then um, just a lot of despair at the state of things in some of the smaller countries around the world. They are forced to decide whether it's more beneficial for their economies to get rid of rainforest in favor of harvesting fossil fuels or keep the rainforest and clean the air for larger, more polluting countries around the world. Um, it, it's a pivotal moment, I, I feel. And luckily, I feel like the current CPS leadership and, and our Office of Sustainability leader, Sandrine, who has been so supportive to our cause at Mather, um, I, I think the youth at Mather, um, and from what I saw and was blown away by during the week in Glasgow, the youth around the world, they're already taking bold steps and doing amazing things. Um, but we at Mather are ready to make bold moves towards waste management. We don't want, we want our school's roof to be covered with solar panels. Um, this is a steam dream to get hands on education about solar. Um, and I, I think we can parlay that into some amazing opportunities and careers for our students. So we're ready to show the rest of CPS what sustainability can look like at Mather High School, and we would like your support to get there. Uh, again, thank you for inviting me to speak. Thank you, Sandrine and Gary Kinnean of Seven Generations Ahead. And I do want to throw a thank you to um, our principal, Peter Afant. He has been supporting us through the process. So thank you all again at the board for honoring us. And last but not least, Ms. Jones. Hi, everyone. So I'll make it really quick. Uh, I have to get back to class, but my name is Jasmine Jones. Thank you all for having me. I teach physics, environmental justice, and biology here at Alrebi High School. And yeah, I just echo um, what Ali and what Pete have already mentioned about just really the experience in Glasgow being transformative and, and just connecting it back to what we were already doing in the classroom and specifically at Raby. For the past couple of years, we've been working on the solar community project um, to advocate for the installation of solar panels at the Garfield Park Conservatory. And, you know, kind of contextualizing this in the curriculum around environmental racism, um, specifically on the West Side and the historic environmental degradation of communities of color being zoned uh, near industrial areas. And so, again, just going to Glasgow and meeting folks from all over the world, specifically indigenous communities and realizing that it's all connected. And the same patterns exist. And so um, definitely looking forward to what CPS Go Solar will accomplish, not just at Alrebi, but, um, you know, district-wide and really making moves to be sustainable and to um, kind of show the urgency of the moment because it really is so urgent. So thank you all for having me. And um, I got to run. Hi there, my name is Melissa and I work in the CPS Talent Office. 
I'm here to share what getting a job in CPS looks like, but I'm not an advertiser. So I thought we'd do something else. Hey, Fastima. Hey, Melissa. How are you? I'm good. It's so good to see you. It's been a while since we talked. And, you know, I know that we have been talking for the last several months. And now you're here teaching at CPS. And I am working with my colleagues. And we want to make sure that other teachers know what it's like getting a job at Chicago Public Schools. And I know that you and I worked together, I think since April, I looked back on my calendar. Um, and so now we're, you know, at the start of the school year and you have a job. So I was wondering, since you're the expert on finding a job in CPS, if you could share a little bit about what that process was like for you. Absolutely. So um, I actually graduated from National Lewis University and on our announcements board, your name was there for anyone like interested in CPS to reach out in special education. I reached out to you, Melissa, and you, uh, we kind of got things rolling from there. And then eventually when we got to meet, you know, once we went through our interview, I felt very prepared. I felt comfortable by the time I got to the interview round with the schools that I interviewed with. Oh, that's so awesome. I'm so glad to hear it. And so tell me, what school are you at now? So I am currently at South Shore Fine Arts Academy. Fun fact, my dad actually went here and he has been talking to me nonstop about him reminiscing about his days here. So <laughs> that's fun. <laughs> I love it's a full circle moment for your family. Oh, I, I want to see if I have anything from like many years ago. <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you so much, Fastima. It was good catching up. Good catching up with you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for all you're doing and the impact you're making. I'm really proud of you and I'm really excited. Don't be a stranger, okay? Absolutely. Are you looking to teach in Chicago Public Schools? Real people like me are here to help. Visit teach.cps.edu to learn more. Season two of the CPS Teach Chicago podcast is Kiriako, Colin, Ellen, David, Laura, and me, Noel. Special thanks to the Director of Energy and Sustainability, Sandrine Schultz, for being our guest this episode. Remember, if you'd like to follow up with her or want more information on what was discussed, visit cps.edu forward slash energy. To learn more. Additional thanks to all students who helped us with our teacher appreciation ad. Our bell for this episode comes from Maria Sacedo Scholastic Academy. Go Sons! You can find more information about the Teach Chicago podcast and links to resources discussed in this episode at cps.edu forward slash T-C-P-O-D. Additionally, if you're interested in becoming a teacher in Chicago Public Schools, please visit teach.cps.edu to learn more. Do you have questions or comments? Share them by emailing us at teachchicagopod at cps.edu. Feedback, of course, is always appreciated.
Subscribe to CPST Chicago podcast by hitting that small little subscription button wherever you get your podcast. You can also take five minutes and leave us a review, which helps the show tremendously. Until then, teach Chicago.